for our scripture reading. So glad to have Trent and John as our liturgists this month, uh, tag-teaming it and working together. And they also will be helping us serve communion as well today. So go ahead, Trent. Our scripture reading today is Acts 16, 13 through 18, and also 22 through 34. On the Sabbath, we went outside the gate, city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the woman who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city, Hyathra, named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Once we were going to a place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. In that moment, the Spirit left her. The next reading is from Acts 16, 22-34. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When we received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and his wife, excuse me, he and his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Here ends the reading. Thank you, John. Trent, excellent job. Amen. Didn't Trent do an excellent job? Very good. Excited to have you help us out this month, Trent and John. As I was finalizing my sermon prep yesterday, uh, yeah, yesterday was Saturday, trying to get things organized, collect my thoughts on this wonderful day and so, many, so much happening. And I was like, what was the pastor thinking with that much scripture? No way in the world we can cover all that. So guess what? We'll get half today, half next week, all right? Today we'll focus, take a look at Lydia and her household. Next week we'll, we'll look at the jail, jailhouse prayer, Paul and Silas uh, spending time in jail and 
and the prayer is shaking the foundations of that uh, location. So that's what you look forward to that next week. You know, prayer, prayer is one of the primary functions to bring people to the point of salvation. People need to be prayed for. The people that are lost should be heavy upon our heart. Those that we know or those we do not know. That's why people go around the world as missionaries to take the gospel in many different languages and many different forms to share the gospel. Those people need prayer. They need lifted up. They need support. So prayer should always be priority for us as a church and as Christians, right down to the very simplest of things in our lives. Yes, the simplest of things. If we truly want God's direction in everything, God's will to be done at all times. The book of Acts, the Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Disciples, they went to work and they began to work for the Lord. Example after an example of how prayer and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ what was it, one in one hand, one in the other? Absolutely not. It was intertwined. It was all together. Let me pause for a minute. Mary, are you trying to decide if you guys are staying or going? What you want to do? All right. Yep. They're going to make their way back for their class time and lessons. Got, this is our substitute teachers that help in with Sunday school, so give them a hand for jumping in, being substitutes. I've seen them talking. They're trying to figure out, we going to go back? Are we staying? Or? So I want to give them the chance to go back. They're always nice. You know, kids are always welcome to stay in the service. If they got to stay and worship with mom and dad, you know, grandchildren, Uh, They're welcome, so don't get me wrong. They don't have to go back. So back to our prayer and back to the book of Acts. The book of Acts is example after example of prayer and sharing the gospel. They're intertwined together. We have Paul and his companions. They're disciples, and they're disciples on the move. They're not setting still. They're not letting the grass grow under their feet. They're They're kicking up dust and kicking up their heels, and they're on the move with the ministry of Jesus Christ. Verse 12, right before verse 13, where we start reading today, it says, From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. And that's where we picked up with verse 13 and 14 of that Acts chapter 16. On, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gates. And where did they go? To the river to the river where we expected to find a place of what? Prayer. Not a party, but a prayer party. People praying at the river. They went out expecting, anticipating, looking for this place of prayer. And I just wonder, church, and about each and every one of us, how many times through any given day do you look for a place to pray. When was the last time you left church, left worship? You went to eat wherever you eat at your favorite restaurants. I hope you gave good tips to all your waitresses and waiters. 
showing you love and appreciation. And then you went wherever you go after you eat your lunch. Did you go and look for a place to pray? Was that thought of, hey, let's pray. Let's pray for the service that we just experienced and give thanks. Our Sunday school lesson was about uh, attitude of gratitude. Having that attitude of worship and thankful that you had the opportunity to be in worship. It's been a great to hear this past week. Everyone throughout the week tell me how great last Sunday was. We had a shake it up Sunday, people sitting in different pews, asking questions. The youth had a great meal. Take a moment. Thank you, youth. You did a fabulous job feeding everyone. Everyone that donated from the youth families and to other ones that I asked, you jumped right on, donated. The whole meal was donated so that everything that was given, over $900, straight to the youth account. Praise be to God. Thank you, church. Thank you, youth. So as we think about these things, have you looked for a place to pray after Sunday lunch? Are we so doggone tight on a schedule that we're shifting gears, burning rubber to find our nap, to get our nap, or to hit the road, or go here, go there, or what is it? We are challenged in this way. So I encourage you, I encourage you to find those moments and places to pray. Here we have these disciples. What do they do when they get to the river and they find that place? They sit down. They take a load off. They join the group. And they begin to speak to the women. They speak to the women who have gathered there. And the one lady, her name is Lydia. And this one woman, the Lord had already been speaking to her. Sound familiar? The Lord had already speaking to this young lady's heart. And she has a family And she's ready to respond to the movement of the Lord within her. The Lord opened her heart. And it opened it in response to Paul's message. And what was Lydia's response to the Lord? What did it say? Lydia and her household were baptized. Not just Lydia, but her whole household The whole family came together to be baptized. The whole family came to stand together to be baptized. Lydia's family came to the Lord. They were all baptized. They all became believers. They all became followers of Jesus Christ. Lydia's life and her family's life was forever changed. She'd been hearing from the Lord. She's already at a gathering place of prayer. And here comes the Lord's workers, Paul and the disciples, to bring a message of encouragement and hope and say, yes, now is the time. Yes, respond to the Lord. Yes, let's be baptized. Say yes to Jesus. I sure hope that in my lifetime and in the life of the church, there's people coming and they they want to be baptized. They, They want to come to the Lord's table. They want to know Jesus. I sure hope I I never hold them back. Had the opportunity to do another funeral this week. I did a funeral a year ago in August for this family. This gentleman was 91 years old, and he's had three children, and he's had to bury all of them as adults. The last one was last August. His daughter, 
She's in her 60s. This gentleman is 91. But now they're all in heaven together. They're kicking it up, enjoying the good life. And it's called eternal life. But yeah, I still pray. I still I pray in preparation, and I still share a sermon message about salvation for that funeral. Make sure that that everyone, anyone there, grandkids, great grandchildren, in laws, you you name it, if they won't be there with kicking it up for eternity, they need Jesus. We all need Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And here we see Lydia. Her eyes were opened. Her eyes were opened to seeing this God moment. And now was the time to be baptized. They was already at the river. How convenient. God does that. Let's get in there. Let's be baptized. But it didn't stop there. Lydia had this now, the next step of a spiritual understanding of where God was still speaking to her. What does she see? She sees with her physical eyes and she sees with her spiritual eyes and with an understanding, she knows Paul and his disciples are on the move. And what does she say? As she sees the need for them, they need rest. They need a place to recuperate. They just had a powerful spiritual moment. What does she say? Did she suggest or did she nonchalantly say, hey, why don't you come over for supper? Oh, why don't you just come spend the night? It says... She persuaded them. She wasn't going to take no for an answer. You come, you baptize me. The Lord has used you. Let me bless you. Come to my house tonight. Come and let us care for you. She's seen the need of God's servants. That's what God does. He's not just going to get a hold of you and get you baptized or get you to become a member. He's going to give you eyes to see physically and spiritually that there's still, now you're on the team and now there's a work team and now there's things to do as part of the family. Just as all families should have chores for everyone in the family. doesn't matter the age, square down to two and three year olds. They can help pick up. They can help do things. And if you've got the right attitude in the family, they want to help. It's great seeing those things. And I hope that you see it in your families, and I hope that you continue to pray. So I've got to stop there, or we're just going to keep going. We've got to have communion today. Lydia's seen the need after getting one with the Lord, after being baptized, her family was baptized. And I'm sure they were so excited to have Paul and disciples over that night and that day. We don't know how long they stayed, but we know it isn't long he had, goes from the comfort of a, believer's, a new believer's home. Doesn't mean that it was perfect. They might have still had some things in there from their old ways and old lifestyle, but Lydia said, come. If you believe that I'm a follower of Christ, you come to my house tonight. Because it's just a few verses over. Where does Paul find himself? Paul and Silas, they're spending the night in jail. God does that too. He, he gives us some moments of being fed spiritually. And then he's going to give us some real tests, real challenges when we're going to find ourselves maybe in a jail someday. Maybe. Maybe. How are you going to respond? How are you going to give thanks?
Are you going to be able to remember those moments, life moments? Are you going to be able to recall these, these Bible verses of hope and encouragement and love of God? That is why we have church week after week. That's why it's important for us to gather together as a body of believers week after week. We cannot let Satan cause things to keep us away from church. Of course, none of us are perfect. I can't control what you do between Sundays. You can't control me. But the Lord knows, and when we come back together, the Spirit brings us together in a unity. And when we allow that unity to grow, we can do the Lord's work. And it begins at the Lord's table. Because if we're not one with the Lord, how can we expect to be one with each other? If Jesus Christ isn't the one leading, guiding us, we're guiding and leading ourselves. And we are emotional beings. And we cannot operate and conduct our lives through pure emotion. Because there's days that we're going to feel like not being at church. There might be days you don't feel like being a Christian. There'd be days you might not feel like being much of anything at all. But do we stop? Do we throw in the towel? No, we say, Lord, help me. And we reach out to somebody and we say, more prayer, please. Hey, it's rough over here. I need, I need your prayer support. I need a prayer partner. I need you. I need you, church. I need you, pastor. I need you, Sunday school teacher. I don't need you to tell everybody everything, but I need you to tell them, pray for me. And it begins in the unity of Jesus Christ. So as we prepare our hearts today, I persuade you, as Lydia persuaded Paul and the disciples to stay with her, I persuade you, not just invite, but I persuade you to come to the Lord's table, receive these elements of bread and juice. I persuade you, if you have not been baptized, that you would look for an opportunity to talk to me about baptism. I persuade you to seek forgiveness where forgiveness is needed in your heart for yourself and for others. I persuade you to seek forgiveness from the Lord from those subtle and willful sins in your life. Subtle and willful. I will persuade you, church, to find that daily place of prayer. There in bulletin you see, Father God, holy are you and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering and death and resurrection, you give birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. We thank you, Lord. And as Jesus gave the invitations to his disciples, it's an invitation that will last for eternity because the Lord's table is eternal. It's an eternal invitation for all people. When you, you hear the invite, you have the opportunity, you have the choice to come and eat. That the bread represents the body of Christ broken and given 
for you. And then Jesus gave the invitation explaining to the disciples that the cup, a new cup, a new covenant was about to begin. When Jesus died on the cross, that was the last sacrifice for sin. No longer need for animal sacrifices. Jesus, the perfect Son of God, died for you to wash away your sins, to cleanse us. And he shared with his disciples the saying, Take and drink from this cup, all of you. And it goes on to say, do this in remembrance of me, in remembrance of Jesus, taking these elements and drinking from the cup. Now, our servers will going to come. John and Abby will all be holding uh, bread, one tray of bread, one tray of juice. Trent and I will each share the others. We, they will hand you the bread. You will get your own cup out of the tray. And as you get the bread, you eat the bread and drink the juice. The cups you can carry around. You can put it back in the tray or just throw it in the trash can on the side there. So as we're prepping up, let us pray. Father God Almighty, we give thanks for this table that you give us and share with us to represent Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. As we receive these elements, we ask your blessing upon them, making them be for us the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, your Son, Jesus Christ. So Lord, in your holy name, by your holy work and acts, we give thanks for this blessing and this opportunity to receive from your table today. But we anticipate a greater day, a greater feast at the heavenly banquet when you will call us all home and we'll join you at heaven's banquet table with all of the saints that have gone on before us, family and friends, loved ones, parents, grandparents, sons and daughters, grandchildren, together with you, Jesus. We look forward to that glorious day. In your name I pray. Amen.